I had one of those days where it felt like I was being blessed from walking in and going out. And then in the middle of this, I had the chance to catch up with one of the coolest and nicest people that I know, and that is my former pastor, or my, will always be my pastor, Ron Habermill. And I want to spend some time with you and listen to the Dale Wiley Show, listen to 50 Minutes of Miracles, and I just can't tell you how blessed I feel right now to talk with Pastor Ron. How are you? I am blessed. How are you? <laughs> well, I am blessed too, and I am really happy to be on the phone and talking to my great friend and pastor, Ron Haberbell. Good to hear from you. It's great to hear from you, you know, and I've wanted to get you on, you know, doing this podcast thing, and I really honestly am so excited to hear your story. Where do I begin? Do well, let's me start. Let's start at the beginning. How about that? All right. <laughs> beginning of my salvation or beginning of my life? Well, I think that honestly, let's go back to the beginning of your life and where you were and all that stuff, and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I grew up in a community called State Park, Illinois. I know. I left it there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, for people who don't know, it's between East St. Louis and Collinsville. Right. And, um, you know, I grew up there. I was born and raised there. And all my life as a kid, my goal was to get out of State Park. That was my dream. <laughs> my dream in life was to get out of State Park. And, and what were you going to do when, once you were out there? I'm sorry? What were you thinking about doing before you ended up having a very different turn? Well, actually, I, I, well, I wanted to be a Marine and okay. um, in high school, and I, uh, right out of high school, I wasn't carrying enough hours at SIU, so I got my draft notice during the Vietnam War, but I flunked okay. my physical, and so I was rejected in the service, and well, uh, yeah, so after that, I didn't get to go, and so after that, I, I, uh, I wanted to be a commercial artist, and um so I did that field for about three years while I was, you know, going part-time in, in college. And um, uh, I, I was uh, an art director and then uh, for a company called Metrolux Midwest. Okay. And then I became an art director. And, um, and then that come and I was working also at a, at a store. It, it was a, a retail store called Grandpa Pigeons. Oh, yeah. And, it was a store um, like Walmart. Before Walmart moved in, we had 17 stores in the area. And so I was a, started out as a stock boy there, moved up to assistant manager, and then I moved over to the corporate office later on. Um, so I, I worked in the retail business for 30-something years, even while I was pastoring my church. Okay. And um, so... Uh, like I said, I, I met my beautiful wife. She worked for me at Grandpa's. Um, uh-huh. I, I was her boss, and um, she was such a great worker. I married her. Uh, <laughs> 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 Actually, she she was wound up being my best friend, and and um, you know I was, and I wasn't saved at the time, and I was. Um, pretty messed up at the time I was going through divorce and um and I was married 10 years and and we were it wasn't working out um and so I got a divorce after you know while I was working at grandpa's and um I got full custody of my daughter I had we had one daughter and, and that uh, was Amber right no Not actually right. that was my my daughter Erin now oh, Amber was sorry. was she had she had Amber Okay. And, uh, and and then when we got married, we had our son Chris. And right. um, so um, anyway, so we became a blended family, and and um, you know, but we didn't know the Lord at the time. And right. so right. you know, I was drinking and smoking pot and doing all kinds of <laughs> stuff. You know, I was a partier, I was a player, and uh-huh. you know, 
we both knew without, and she was a drinker too, and she was a partier, and she was a player. So we knew we <laughs> loved each other, but but you know we we knew that without Christ, uh, it wasn't going to work. And well, but so like, there had to be a point when you didn't even know that, though, right? No, no. You didn't even know what you didn't know. No, we didn't know what we didn't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I I really always had a conviction about the Lord. I mean, I never. Even even when I was in the world, I wouldn't say GD. You know, I was right. never using. Sure. I, I would cuss and say everything else. You know, right. anything else under the sun, but I wouldn't say that name. You know, right. uh, you know, cussing. And but but anyway, you know. So like I said, we knew that our, our as much as we got married in in um, November of '79. Okay. And, uh, I'm sorry, December 15th of 1979. Okay. And, um, and, and so we got married, and uh, like I said, we were both still in the world. And uh, when when my wife was working, one of her friends kept leaving her tracks, you know, really? witness tracks. Yeah, and, and was just witnessing to her about um, the end times and all of this stuff. And, and you know, but, but he kept planting a seed, and she just used to throw them away, but then she started reading them. And okay. one day, I'll, I'll never forget it, um, um, you know, she said, you know, we need, to, we need to get born again. And I said, well, what does that mean? Yeah, and, and I said, I don't know what that means. And she said, well, I don't either, but Henry said we need to get born again. So okay. um, that, that was, uh, we were sitting in our living room um, one Saturday afternoon, and uh-huh. so I, I went and I got the Bible off the shelf, a big family Bible that, you know, when my dad died, they gave us this, you know, the, the union gave us this big Bible that I never sure. opened up, you know, I never opened it up, and so I'm looking at right. Genesis <laughs> trying to figure out how to get born again, you know, and 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 and, and honestly, at, at, while we had the Bible in our laps, there was a knock at the door, and yes, and we, I opened up the door, and there was a little man standing there with a Bible, okay. and he said, "If you would die today, would you go to heaven?" Okay. And my wife yelled, "My wife yelled, bring him in!" <laughs> so, <laughs> so we grabbed him, and and that little guy, bless his heart, he he led us through the sinner's prayer, and right. you know, and my wife was raised Catholic, so she thought she, there was all kind of you know, you know, things that we had to do right. plus that. And, sure. and you know, and, and he said, no. He said, did you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? And he said, yeah, we did. And we prayed with him. And he said, then you're born again. And he said, you know, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we're saying, right. that's it? And he said, that's it. And so, anyway, so, um, like I said, we knew at that moment that we accepted Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And that man left that day. And and uh, this is the most amazing thing. And my wife, as soon as he walked out the door, she said, "We didn't find out where his church was." And and so okay. when I op- when I opened the door, Dale, he was gone. Really? And at that, that second, and you know, because he was, he said he was in the neighborhood, but we looked, we didn't see a car, we didn't see anything. The guy oh, was gone. So that's crazy. I mean, it, it is, I mean, I don't know. The Bible says be aware of angels unaware, you know. Yes. And I, I don't know. All I know is God is so cool that he knew at that moment and that a time that we were wanting to get saved, but we didn't know how to do it. And that man led us right, you know, to John three sixteen, and And, uh, you know, and, and, and so he left, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish and have eternal life. And right. so... From that moment on, uh, our life changed. I mean, you know, we went back, and, and like I said, all of our friends, I, I went, uh, you know, to my to the grandpa store, and I told everybody, I'm born again. And people thought I was nuts because they thought, yeah, hey, you want to go out drinking tonight? And I said, nope, nope, can't do that. And, and you know, but um, so, you know, our life began to change there. The drinking stopped. Now, I had a problem with, with marijuana. Um I, I was addicted to marijuana, and, and, and so, you know, I, I was okay. I, I was addicted to alcohol, too, but for some reason that went away, but I still had this bondage of, of, of marijuana. Okay. And um, so 
anyway, my wife was able to lay all that stuff down. We started going to church. We started out at, at a Presbyterian church, and okay. um, you know, because we just we didn't know where to go. So that was, you know, sure. he was the only one that would marry us at the time. You know? Really? And, and so, so, so that's why we went to his. And he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh-huh. uh, but anyway, we started going to church there. But I was still dealing with the marijuana. In fact, it was to the point that I was actually buying buying the pot from my employees at Grandpa's. And, yeah, and, and I was, you know, and I would feel so terrible, but yet I would, you know, I had to get high. And right. one night my, my brother came over and he just got a big bag of Colombian gold pot marijuana. And he and I, and my wife, you know, she went to bed, she's praying for me. And that night, you know, and I've been wanting to quit, but I just seemed like I couldn't. And um, uh, so, um, anyway, I, I remember that night, um, I felt like the Lord told me, if you love me, get rid of it. Really? And yes. It, it was almost like an audio voice. And, really? and, I'm, and I'm, you know, my heart started pounding, and, and I began to say, well, Lord, I'll tell you what. If, you know, let me keep a couple of joints in, in, in the cabinet just in case I'm desperate. And he kept that still small voice, kept saying, if you love me, get rid of it. And so I finally said, well, Lord, there's a couple of roaches in the, in the ashtray. Can I just keep those? And, and, um, and, and you know, he, he said it again. And so I'll never forget that night, brother. I, I, I took that whole bowl of, of, of pot and I opened up the front door. And I threw it out on the, the grass in the front yard. Okay. And the, the, the bowl and all, I threw everything out there. And, <laughs> and, and I woke up, my wife, and I said, honey, God delivered me from marijuana. And, and she said, she was praying for me. She said, bless his heart, he'll be out there in the morning with a vacuum cleaner sucking that stuff up, you know. But from that moment on, brother, I, I, I didn't have an urge to smoke it again. And, you know, and, and, you know, the scripture who the son is set free is free indeed. And, right. and so, you know, the Lord had to do a fast work for us because, you know, Deb and I, you know, it wasn't three months that I'm doing a Bible study in the, in the grandpa stores. And, and, um, right. uh, and, you know, because, I mean, a lot of my people, a lot of my friends, well, in fact, a lot of our congregation started out working at Grandpa Pigeons and, wow. um, um, so, I mean, we were, you know, the Lord used us as a witness uh, and a testimony to a lot of people because, you know, people gave us, well, we'll give you three weeks, and they give us three months, and then they realized that, you know, God really did touch our life. Right. And um, so, uh, you know, so that's when, um, uh, you know, so, uh, like I said, that's when the Lord be, just began to deal with us, and we just, we were just, from the time we got born again, we were so hungry for the Word of God. I mean, I I used to have trouble reading and because and, my eyes were crossed when I was a kid. And right. uh, I'd get headaches and everything. But, you know, I, I really learned how to read fluently reading the Bible. And right. uh, because I was just so hungry for His Word. And I would get these cassette tapes. Um, in fact, I remember uh-huh. us. We didn't have any money back then, and and I remember the PTL club and uh, was offering uh, for $125 a set of uh, the Bible on cassette, and I remember we stepped out in faith because 125 bucks back then is like 5,000 now. Oh yeah, and, I'm sure. You know, and, and and so for us, you know, and so we stepped out in faith when we bought those Bible those tapes. And I mean, I would listen to those, and every time, I mean, I would listen to, to the, you know, to the Bible all night long. And then when the tape would click, you know how you, it, it, those yeah. cassettes when they stop, yeah. it 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 wake me up, and I'd flip that thing over, fall back to sleep. <laughs> and I mean, really? I just I I just knew that you know we just wanted to to fill our spirit with the Word of God, and you know Deb was home with the kids. We were. You know, she was raising our three kids, and so she was a stay-at-home mom, so she got to spend hours and hours feeding on the Word, you know, where I was, you know, working. Um, actually, you know, at the time, I was working two jobs, Grandpa Pigeons, but I, I also, like I told you, I was a commercial artist, so I was doing signs and things like that uh, sure. for the Grandpa store, which was a, an extra income for us. So, so um, but, I mean, I'd had that cassette, you know, it is earphones going I mean, as, as much as I could, just feeding my spirit, you know, with the Word of God. 
and then um, then I guess it was it was it wasn't. Let's see. We started so we started going to the Presbyterian Church, and then after that, we started going to a church here in Collinsville uh, with with Sun Life Church, and it was a church that. Um, uh, you know, in the Presbyterian Church, there was nothing wrong with their music. There were old hymns, and you right. know. But I'm an old rocker. I mean, I, you know, I used to play music <laughs> in, the, in the taverns, and and you know, so I mean, I loved upbeat music. So I went okay. to this church, and and that was when contemporary music was just coming out. Oh and, yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, I walked in there, and I thought, oh, this is where I want to be. And you know, so <laughs> so like I said, we we got plugged in, and and um, then it wasn't long after that that. One of the, the men at, at uh, Sun Life Church felt like the Lord told him to start a church and um, and ask us if we, if I would be the worship uh, leader. Who was and, that? Pardon me. Who was that? That was Gary Anderson. Okay. His name was Gary Anderson. He was the first pastor of Alpha Omega. Okay. And so we started, and we had our first service in Troy, Illinois. Okay. And and the service was horrible. I hated it. It, it was like, and, and my wife and I looked at each other. We said we left Sun Life Church for this. And and uh, but but as I was praying, my heart was always for State Park. And yeah. so I told Pastor, I said, I believe that we need to be in State Park. And he's going to State Park. And I said, Yeah. I said I really feel like God told us to. You know, to start the church at State Park. So he said, "Well, right, let's go look." So uh-huh. we got his old. He was a, a carpet layer by trade, and so we're in his old carpet laying van, and we're driving through State Park, and we we saw the the community center, which is right now where our food pantry is. Right. Um, sure. But the old community center, and um, so we start. We rented that place. And for a hundred, they were so gracious. The fire department uh, rented it to us uh, for a hundred dollars a month, and so we were able to have, you know, three services a week in that place. And so we were. That's where we started out in, in the community center in State Park. Okay. And then about, about a year and a half, um, about a year and a half after that, the school right across the street, the old State Park school, came up right. for auction. Uh-huh. And where our church is now, and right. um, and so um, we felt like the Lord said that building was ours. Now they wanted sixty five thousand dollars, which we did. We had probably a couple hundred dollars in the bank, and um, <laughs> and and so we didn't have the money. But we did a Jericho march. The whole church. We did a Jericho march around that building seven times, and we gave a shout. Okay. The, the neighbors thought we were nuts, man. They thought we were crazy. <laughs> you know, they looked out their windows and they said, oh, my gosh, what in the world is this? But uh-huh. anyway, so we told the school district that that building was ours. So we um, did a Jericho march around, like I said, and then but then they, it was up for public auction. So me and the pastor, we were out there, and – the news reporters were out there because, uh, you know, the, the, the Collinsville Herald at the time and, and the St. Louis Post Dispatch and the uh, Belleville News Democrat. And uh-huh. uh, everybody was going to, you know, it was a big deal that the church was going to buy it. We didn't have right. any money to put down. So <laughs> so it went up for auction and it was at, at, at um, and then we didn't have the money. So they looked at us like we were a bunch of dummies, and I felt like a dummy, but, but I knew the Lord, and we knew the Lord said it was ours. So, so you know, they they left. In fact, the superintendent squealed his tires down the street as he left. He was so mad at us, and, and it, it was just because, you know, we, we, we told everybody that it was ours. But uh-huh. two months, it's a month or two months, I can't remember now, but the owner of Grandpa Pitches, my boss, Okay. Come up to me and, and, and like I said, he, you know, he was such a, a wonderful man of God. And, yeah. and he said, Ron, we want to help you. And um, so the next time they dropped the, the price, $20,000. And oh. so the next time he took care of it. And oh, the Lord, wow. Yeah. He bought it. He bought it for us. That's amazing. 
Yeah, it is. And um, and I think we, we had a little bit because he wanted us to have a little bit, so I think we had to pay 5000 or something like that. But he, he, he signed the note, put the big down payment, almost paid it off, and then he said anything you need, um, uh, you know, anything you need, paint, whatever, we'll take care of it. So okay. uh, they, they bought us chairs. They bought us – I mean, they helped us. You know, they planted us there. And so that's how the Lord blessed us into that school building. Yeah. Two years, it, was, it was less than two years in the ministry. My pastor said, I'm leaving. And God called you to take over as the pastor of Alpha Omega. Really? Now, yeah. I'm a year and a half, and I'm, I'm saved two years. I, I, didn't, I, haven't gone to, I haven't gone to seminary. I just love Jesus, but I haven't gone to seminary. Right. I haven't had any formal training. And it was either, he said, we're either going to shut the church down or you're going to take it over. Really? And so, yeah, and within two weeks, he was gone. And so my wife and I prayed, and I said, you know, I remember praying to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I can't do this. And, you know, that still small voice again says, no, but I can. Okay. And, and so, you know, the Lord was, oh, he was so gracious. And I was such a terrible person past preacher oh my gosh it was so it was horrible i mean i felt i felt sorry for the people you know um because i mean if i preached 15 minutes man i thought i was doing good and um and but but i i remember though that one day i was i remember a couple of services i was doing and one day i was right in the middle of it and i said man i don't have anything and i remember the the people in the congregation came up and they put their arms, you know, around me and they held my hands up and they prayed for me. And, you know, that, that little bunch of people stuck by us the whole time. And some of them are still with us. And, right. um, but, but they stuck with us through the whole time. And, and at that time I was working 60 hours a week at Grandpa Pigeons. And, um, and when I took over at the church, the owner Grandpa was my boss said, from now on, you work for me, and you know he let me make my own hours at Grandpa's. Yes, and and if I needed to sit in the office today, if I needed to go to the hospital, I was still on payroll. You know, wow. he just he was such a, a wonderful, wonderful man, and wow. blessed me and blessed the church so much. And and so, like I said, it was the grace of God, but God used him to help us because, like I said, you know, I'm still raising you know, three kids, and I'm still, uh, you know, my wife is, you know, babysitting for extra money, but, right. you know, like I said, so the Lord just allowed me to work that, that job and pastor the church at the same time, right. and uh, so that that's how Alpha and Omega begun, and uh, <laughs> so that was, what, 38 years since we've, yeah. you know, been to church, and, and, you know, and then the Lord had us, everything we did in, in the building, uh, has been debt free all the way through the years. Okay. Um, you know, so everything we did, we never borrowed money, and right. uh, we just believed God for it. When we did a remodel, when we needed a roof done, um, when we needed a, a you know a, a blacktop, we just put it out there and said, you know, we we didn't, and I didn't like to ask people. You know, I never had to ask my boss because I, I said, Lord. I, I always hate when preachers come and ask for money, you know, right. Um, sure. You know, when I went to the stores and stuff and soliciting money, and I thought, you know, if God, God's a big enough God, I mean, you know, and I said, God, I don't want to ever have to be, not that we can't take an offering or, or, or teach the principles of, of sure. sowing and reaping and tithing and all uh-huh. those, because those are biblical principles that we should be doing. And, and so, I mean, I'm not, I never, not, you know, taught the, the biblical principles of giving. But, I mean, I, I never had to go to businesses and say, you know, we need a new roof. Can you help us? Right. You know, sure. it, it was, we just put the need out there and, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The Lord would raise up people and, you know, at different times, you know, with significant amounts of money, you know, for a little church. I mean, God would provide supernaturally every single time we had a, a need. And then, you know, it it wasn't but eight years ago, I believe, yeah, is, is when we outgrew the food pantry in our okay. church. And uh, <laughs> you remember that. You better believe it. You had a big hand in that, my brother. Um, absolutely. And uh, we were believing God for the building across the street. And and I just knew God said that building. I knew that for years that that building was ours. 
Uh-huh. And so the fire court come to me, and they said, you want the old firehouse and community center. We'll give it to you. Uh-huh. And and so they signed the title over to us, and then, as you you know, it was trashed. I mean, it was, right. um, oh, my gosh, we needed new roofs, and we, we need. I mean, it was just, it, it was falling apart. It was in shambles. But, the, I mean, people from everywhere began to just sew into that, and, and, you know, the Air Force came down and put a new roof on it. Um, right. I mean, people that I didn't even know was in there, you know, putting up wallboard and, and uh, flooring, and, and I had no idea where some of that stuff came from, new flooring, new ceiling tile, and I have no idea even who paid for that to this day. And, um, you know, because, you know, the, the Lord has raised up that, that, that food pantry to, uh, to help a whole lot of people in State Park and Fairmont City, you know, as you know, you know, the Lord is just supernaturally has, has helped us there. Um, well, I you know, because, <laughs> you know, I honestly want to talk about that area, even though it's fairly close to St. Louis, it is an area that is underserved in terms of, you know, it's, it's there, but it's, it's, you know, yes. it's like different. How do you say that? I don't know how to say it. It's well, like, it's an, it's an unincorporated look. Yeah. Yeah, it is because it's an unincorporated area, and okay. um, so uh, it, it's like you know we're and and State Park the dividing line is Collinsville Road there, which is old Highway 40, and right. on one side is St. Right, and on our side it's Madison County, but it encompasses all of State Park. But it it, it was always like I said an unincorporated area, so. Uh, like I said, we didn't have a police department. I mean, we have Madison County and we have St. Clair County, but right. we're so far away. You know, we have a wonderful State Park Volunteer Fire Department, which you're right, has been always been overlooked. And right. um, even as a kid, like I said, State Park was, um, uh, as a kid, when I, when I was growing up, our, like I said, my goal was to get out of State Park because State Park, people kind of looked down on because it was kind of the slum area, if you will. Sure. Um, uh-huh. um, even when I went to the Collinsville High School or the Collinsville Middle School, uh, we were the kids that we were picked up first in, in the school bus. Uh-huh. And so we always sit, had to sit in the back of the bus. Okay. And, and so we were, and they referred to us, you know, in Collinsville at the time, is we were down in State Park, and <laughs> we were on the other side of the track, which is the Cokie right. Mounds, you know, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, uh, tra- the race, uh, Fairmont Racetrack, I mean, um, you know, we were on, on the other side of the track. It wasn't actually a literal railroad track. We were referred to on the other side of the racetrack, you know. But, yeah. So anyway, but we were always... Um, a, a community that was looked down on. I mean, I don't think people meant to, but, um, and, you know, I mean, I have a wonderful, a lot of wonderful friends, and I don't want really to be judgmental, but I'm just saying, you know, that that was kind of the uh, stigma that we had back in that day, right. you know. Sure. And, yeah. and, and, and so uh, our, uh, that was maybe could have been our perception, too, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, easy to just, start to get about yourself that way. Absolutely. You know, and like I said, we kind of felt like as you know, like we saw ourselves as grasshoppers, as the uh, the spies. You know, when they went into the promised land, that's maybe not the way the people saw us, but that's what we felt. You know, right. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so yeah, we we were up church for um, thirty eight years, and then um, you want me to tell continue or am I? Yeah, whatever. Talk about. I definitely want to hear about. James Desmond and all the stuff that he's done and what an interesting guy he is. Oh, James Nesbitt. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> James Nesbitt was when, when he, he was an old rocker and he was, a, he was a stonehead, man. He was always, he was, <laughs> you know, he, he was, a, he, but, but you know, it, it was interesting because when we first started out at Alpha and Omega, we didn't have a drummer and, and okay. Jim Nesbitt was one of the best drummers around, a great okay. artist, but he was off the wall, man. He was he was one crazy <laughs> dude. And um, but anyway, we when, when we first got saved, when we first started a Bible study at our house, um, we put his name in a 
Actually, believe it or not, it was a Zodiac Cup. We didn't we didn't know, you know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we didn't know any better than that. But anyway, we 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 all the people we wanted to see get saved, we put their names in this cup. And every time we'd have our body Bible study, we'd all lay hands on that cup. And as people got saved, we'd take their name out. Well, James Nesbitt, we put his name in there because I wanted a drummer. <laughs> that was a stupid reason. But I wanted a drummer, and, um, and, and I wanted a good drummer. So yes. one day, James, Jim Nesbitt came into church, and he got saved and gave his heart to the Lord. And, and his, his um, conversion was like Deb and I's. I mean, once right. he grabbed a hold of Jesus, man, he didn't let go. I mean, he was, right. you know, on fire for Jesus. And so, you know, he he started out as, as um, um, you know, he was teaching the kids, and he was the one who actually uh, started the State Park Food Pantry. And, right. and James was, was he was wow, man. He was he was an artist, and he was a he was a singer. He was a musician. Wow. He, he, he could do anything, but he was a wow. I mean, and and he would he he and I was a good balance because I mean, uh, he'd want to go do something yesterday, and I'd want to you know I'm one of the well, brother. Let's pray on it, and we right. you know I would bake it till it burnt, you know, and and so we were a good balance for each other, and, uh-huh. and so he was my associate pastor for twelve years. And then, um, you know, we knew that, that God had a, a higher calling for him. And so then he started, um, uh, he, he left Alpha and Omega. And, I mean, he was still, uh, you know, a member of Alpha and Omega. But then he went to a, a place, uh, a ministry called Mission Omega. And okay. that was where, where kind of where he began to learn the prophetic and he began to uh, understand spiritual mapping and go into different cities and find out the reasons why uh, if, if there's uh, poverty in an area or uh, addictions in an area, they would begin to find out the roots of that because it's, you know, it, it all started with obviously a fall, but even, even in state park, as we begin to do spiritual mapping, we found out, you know, all of the, the, the false worship from the Kokia Mound sacrificing, you know, children and and right. um, all of that really brought that curse upon the land. So so James in his spiritual mapping they would come and, and we would begin to they, they would begin to, to pray and fast and just pray over the, the powers, you know, in Ephesians six that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, the powers and principalities, you right. know, and, and which motivates people to do what they do. You know, right. and so sometimes we get mad at the people, but Ephesians 6 tells us don't, you know, it's not them, it's the powers and the principalities. So that's where James Nesbitt um, uh, started then. He began to, to do that, and then that's when the Lord had him start Prepare the Way Ministries. And now he's traveling the world, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, I never know where he's going to be now because <laughs> he's, a, he's in such demand. He'll be over in Israel one week, and you know he'll be in in um, Egypt the next week, and he'll be over in Europe the next week. And well, uh, I remember you talking about all the stuff that happened around the Tokyo bounce, and so mm-hmm. tell about that. Well, we you know we 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 knew that there. We always try to go to the root of the, the, the problem. You know, it's like even when you're constant with somebody, you know, a lot of people you just can't, you know, you you can't deal with the fruit. you got to go to the root, you right. know. And so you dig and dig and dig and find out what that root is, and once the root is uprooted. So what we did back in 2000, and I'm trying to remember, brother, 2000, it might have been 2008, uh-huh. uh, we called it the Cochia Call. And we started doing some spiritual mapping and began to do some research. And, and so we had a whole bunch of churches involved in this, but James Nesbitt was the one who orchestrated this. And we started finding out um, where, you know, like I said, these Native Americans, they dispersed all over the country. And, right. and so, so we began to do some spiritual mapping and find out some of the, the – the genealogy and, and, and go back and we found like some these people are their great 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 grandsons and sure. granddaughters and so uh-huh. what we flew them in from all over the country and because we were going to go to the roots and so what we 
that time is we begin to have praise and worship, and and then we begin to do some teaching. But they what they did is the Native Americans that had the roots at the Kofian Mounds, um, yeah. they repented for the sins of their forefathers. Sure. And, you know, and, and uh, we, we, we called it uh, uh, you know, uh, um, spiritual, I'm sorry, I forget the, the, the term. But anyway, uh, right. but, but um, rec- uh, spiritual uh, reconciliation. Um, okay. You know, from our grandfathers, and you know, right. so we're going back and say, Lord, forgive us for what we have done. You know, and and just like just like when we get born again, Lord, we ask God to forgive us, and He He does. But you know, the, the spiritual map, and we wanted to cleanse the the, the territory, and, sure. and and so we went up on that Kokia Mounds because there was a time that James and I went up there, and it and, and it was. It was the weirdest thing because we went up there and we were going to take that mound. <laughs> and we got up there. And it was when, it was that was back in 2005, I think, or 2000, maybe earlier than that. But it was, they called it harmonic convergence. And that's okay. when people from all over the world came. They came, went to the pyramids, they went to the Kokia Mounds, and they were just really, I, don't, I hope I don't get too confusing here, but they began to raise up those altars again. Oh. And so, so so James and I went up there, and we went up there to, you know, take authority over that, but we realized that we didn't have the authority um, to do that. It was going to have to have to take a corporate anointing. So okay. that's when we began to, to have all of these people, these Native Americans from all over the country, fly in, and then we did it together. And, and so they repented. And they handed the the keys to the to the gatekeepers of the community of the of okay. the, the region, which was the pastors, which had the authority. And they they laid hands on us and charged us with the responsibility is to keep you know, th- this region to the best of our ability. Like you know, like if if um, uh, a strip club would want to move in, we would try to. A group of pastors, or you yeah. know, something like that. We would come in together and try to to take authority over that to keep the the, the area cleansed, if right. that makes sense. If I'm, if yeah. I'm, you know. But anyway, so that's what we did at the Cahokia call, and um, <laughs> and so actually after that, you know, things begin to open up, and and um, I mean, not that there we have no problems or anything like that, because we do, but it, the atmosphere. Um, is something that, that we try to stay, you know, responsible because everybody is steward over their own sphere of authority. You know, oh, yeah. a father has a sphere over authority over his children and his wife. Sure. And, and uh, a mayor has a sphere of authority over his town. A pastor has authority over his region and his congregation, you know. Right. And so when you couple that together, you know, so we just continue to maintain that and we're still – getting together in prayer as pastors and of the community and, uh, you know, to have that corporate anointing because if one can send a thousand flight, two can send 10,000. And so that power of agreement. So that's, that's what, that, that was the Kokia call. That was our assignment at that time. Well, and, you know, as I sit here and think about everything, there are just so many amazing stories in that church and just like to see the way that, you know, you guys just again and again, I'm just constantly amazed by everything that gets done in that church. And, and the cool part about it, I mean, is even when, uh, you know, as you know, I, I turned the church over to my son-in-law. Right. And and uh, that was uh, January the 15th. Uh, and that was Matthew Laria. Matthew Laria and my yes. daughter Amber. And right. I felt you know, that my dream was always to turn the church over to the next generation. You know, my heart has always been a father to raise up sons. You know, my son Christopher is a worship pastor at a different church. And and so, I mean, I, I, and I, I, there's other minister pastors that have have left Alpha and Omega, started their own church. But I knew that the Lord wanted me to turn this whole church over to the next generation. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of churches 
where they have died out because they weren't willing to allow the next generation to take the church over. And, and that's and, one of the amazing things is you've always just had such a welcoming spirit. And I think that's one of the great gifts that you've always had, you know, and certainly talking about Matthew, I mean, talk about an incredible preacher. Yes, he is. Yes, he <laughs> is. And, and, you know, the, the cool part about that is at the time, you know, he and I, he didn't want to come to state park. You know, he, he did. He didn't want to be a pastor at Alpha Omega, let alone a, a pastor, let alone a pastor at Alpha Omega in State right. Park. And so, but I knew, <laughs> I knew years ago that God told me that He was going to be my my successor. And I mean, I didn't tell him at the time because that would have made him mad, you know. And um, he just felt like he was serving his time out there. And you know, because I mean, he was a, uh, you know, a, not that he was. Arrogant, I don't mean that, but, but what he's saying, you know, this young man grew up in the good side of Edwardsville, good side of town, you know, <laughs> right. and never really had he to run for all and all that. Exactly. He, he was. He was a football star, a basketball star. Um, right. You know, he excelled in every, a great and tremendous golfer. Um, I mean, whatever he put his hand to, he did 150%. But uh-huh. anyway, so he thought he was going to serve his tour of duty here in State Park. And then, you know, get his, you know, get his badge from the Lord, and then he was going to send him out. You know? Right. Little did he know that God called him here to pastor the church. Right. So, so um, anyway, just a few years ago, the Lord began to show him, and and, and so it's been, and that's been a beautiful transition too, because my prayer was, Lord, I, I I'm believing that the whole church is going to move in to the next generation, that we're not going to lose the congregation. Right. That, um, so I began to back up slowly before people realized it. I, I would step back a little bit and let Matthew do a, you know, a leadership teaching and, and let him preach right. a little bit more. And, you know, I had him start preaching all always Wednesday nights. And, and, and so slowly I was backing off and let him move forward. And so everybody began to, you know, uh, embrace him and and right. um, so like I said, this is our dream was that we made a beautiful, a perfect transition uh, because I've seen so many churches, like I said, that because the older pastor wasn't willing to turn it over to the next generation, that you know they they go down to ten people and they were all white headed people and, right. and, and, and you know and there was no generation to to hand it over to and that exactly. was my dream is to to raise up children. I mean, I've always been I've always been a spiritual dad. If people ask me who I am, I'm a dad. You know, right. um, I love being a dad. I love being a, a spiritual dad. I love being a grandpa. And right. so, um, so like I said, we so Matthew and I uh, we we pray and say, Lord, we want to make this transition, you know, for the glory of God. And you know, I'm not going to ask for anything. And you know, because I. Like I said, I didn't want a, a list of things. I want you to pay me for the rest of my life, or I didn't want to, sure. you know, I, you know, any of this stuff. I, I just said, Lord, whatever you want. So, you know, I honored him. He honored me. And, I mean, now, you know, he says, I want you to do what you want to do, not what you have to do. And and, and so, our, it, like I said, it, it, it's such a beautiful transition now. So Deb and I, my wife and I, stepped out of senior pastor role, and Matthew and my daughter took over in January the 15th, I believe it was. And um, and, and like I said, if we're still, Deb and I are still pastors. Uh, I'm still doing, I had seven funerals this month, you know. And so, wow. I mean, I'm still doing the funerals, the weddings, uh, the counseling, um, and I still do that kind of stuff. I still am the executive director of the State Park Food Pantry, Outreach to the kids, I've got that part of it. Matthew is going to take the church and go beyond the borders of State Park because now yeah. we're 85% Hispanic there. And so, you know, we have to go beyond the borders of State Park. Um, okay. Because for some reason, we we try to reach out to the Hispanic. We do in the food pantry. We do with the kids, but we oh. don't. Uh, it's hard. We have a few, and we have a translator there, but 
we're not drawing the Hispanic crowd. Uh-huh. And I definitely want you to brag on your wife and your daughter, too. Oh, wow. My, <laughs> wife, my, my wife is an amazing woman. Like I said, when she came to the Lord, I mean, she's a teacher. And yes. um, like and she's, she's a preacher, a, too. She's an amazing she's a teacher, a preacher. She can move in the prophetic. I mean, um, and I'm not just saying it just because my, my wife, but anybody that knows her knows she's amazing. And it's like, you know, like when, when she gets to, when she preaches, man, it's like, wow, it's like <laughs> everybody's ready to listen, you know. Yeah. And, um, know. And, and then my daughter, Amber, uh, like I said, she is. She is an amazing, amazing daughter. Growing up, you know, she never once raised her voice. Well, neither did my son, as far as that goes. They were right. both amazing. But my, all my kids are amazing. But, you know, Amber, uh, we knew there was a call in her life, but she was an office manager for two doctor's offices. And, you know, she was working like 55, 60 hours a week. And sure. it was, you know, she wasn't able to pour into the ministry but after we made the transition from Alpha and Omega Church to North Smoke Church, because Matthew changed the name, and that's out of Isaiah. Um, okay. And, 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 you I know, was worried about that. Yeah, I, Isaiah, I think it's 15. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. But, it, but it's where – and North Smoke, the reason why he named it North Smoke, it talked about an army coming from the north. It was, it was Hezekiah's army. And they were coming out of the north, and they were all trained, and, and, and they were all disciplined, and they didn't break rank, and they were going to defeat uh, the armies uh, that were coming against the, uh, Israel. Uh, and so uh, they were coming against God's people. And so okay. that's where he got north smoke, because it said in Isaiah that, that they're coming from the north like a cloud of smoke. And so, <laughs> so that's why his, his vision is to raise up you know, a mighty army for God. Right. And so so he and Amber, going back to my daughter Amber, um, you know, my daughter Amber is, is like I said, she's full-time now in the ministry. And so her and her mom, my wife, are spending a lot of time together um, in, in the ministry. And, of course, now with this virus um, that's going on, uh, we are doing everything online as of right <laughs> yeah. now. You know, so we all are. Uh, yeah, for the coronavirus online. Yeah, so it, it's but but you know it, it's a, it's an amazing time though because uh, we've been Matthew's teachings and and um, been going out to a whole lot more people. I've been ministering on the phone to a whole lot more people. There's there's people who are uh, just seeking the Lord now that's never saw them before because you know the biggest virus isn't the the sickness. The biggest virus is the fear. And, oh, yeah. um, and and so I mean people are totally freaking out and totally panic and and so now it's an, a great opportunity to witness and, and share the gospel of Christ. You know we we read Psalm ninety one every single day over our family, over our uh, church, over our community, and um, you know so. Um, you know, but it's an opportunity to, to share with people right now. But everything we're doing is online, and uh, which is certainly reaching a broader audience. Um, we have uh, Matthew's um, services, and there's three times as many people than than we've had at normal. <laughs> which oh, is yeah. Well, you know, I just think that he is one of the most gifted preachers that I've ever been around. I mean, just talk about a knowledge of the Bible. It's just incredible how knowledgeable he is. You know, Dale, you're absolutely right, because, brother, you know, I look back when I was his age and how dumb I was. I mean, I, and I say that I was dumb as rocks. Of course, you know, I, mean, I had no idea. I mean, God's grace, I mean, he was just amazing to teach us. But, but you know, it took us years to get where he is. You know, and I see that even, even you know, I mean, he – you're right. The, the knowledge that he has of the Word of God, and um, uh, it's just amazing. I mean, he's far beyond his years. And, well, um, and I also think that in terms of what you said about his athletics, I think that's how he attacks everything. You know, yes. that's my opinion. 
You know, I just think that he is blessed in a way that few are to to deliver the gospel. Yeah, he he is, and I'm not saying that because of my my son-in-law, but uh, but like I said, I, I'm just amazed at times, and and so I'm you know I'm so enjoying now in this season of my life, you know, yeah. because you know it, it's it's interesting for a pastor because for almost 40 years. You know, after Sunday morning, I was getting ready to prepare for Wednesday night and right. the next Sunday right. morning. Uh-huh. And even though my wife and Jane Nesbitt and 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 then later on, and Nancy began to help take that load off of me, um, but it, it was I was always looking for the next. Now, I mean, I'm still certainly seeking the Lord and praying and everything, and and uh, but it's it's nice sitting down in the front row and taking notes. <laughs> and listen, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. So, yeah. uh, you know, people are asking me how I'm doing, you know, with this transition, you know, to, to be semi-retired after almost 40 years of ministry. And I'm telling you, know, I'm living the dream, you know. Right. I, I'm living the dream. I mean, I'm in well, ministry with my children and my wife, and it, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, and yet he does, He, you know, he, he does the heavy lifting. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and, you know, one other thing that I wanted to mention while we're still talking is <coughs> I want you to talk about Darlene Miniature and explain how amazing she is. Oh, my goodness. Darlene Miniature. <laughs> you know, and and she shares his story, so I'm not speaking anything out of school. Right, she, right. She tells tells her testimony when he and you know at the food pantry, you know we have we share the gospel and Darlene is an evangelist. I mean she right. is, um, uh, but I knew Darlene for years and years and years. She was a, you know, she was a drug dealer in the community. Um, <laughs> uh, she was uh, she was strung out all the time. And she wasn't really, let's say it this way, she wasn't really a nice person. And right. uh, and but I remember uh, years ago, there, um, she was uh, the Lord had a hook in her jaw back then. And I'm trying to remember when Darling was in her accident. But I remember, um, I guess it was probably 35 years ago now that okay. she was in a car accident. Her and her husband, they got in a big fight on the interstate. She got out of the car, right. and she was hit by a car. And right. uh, she lost her leg, and, yeah. um, you know, she they didn't think she was going to even pull through. And right. I remember Jim Nesbitt and I went to the hospital to pray for her, and she was in a coma, and she didn't know she lost her leg and everything. So Jim and I went, we went in there and laid hands on her, and as we was praying for her, she sat up. And freaked everybody out, started praying <laughs> in tongues, and, and like even even freaked us out. And you know, uh-huh. we told her, and we told her that she lost her leg, and, and she said, "I know, I, you know, that's okay. God saved me." And she knew God right. saved her because she should have been dead. Well, yeah. she, then she started going to church for a little bit, then she backslid again for about ten years. Right. But then, then after that, she gave her heart totally to the Lord, and. I mean, she wouldn't miss a Bible study. She wouldn't miss a work day. And she, yeah. I mean, just totally transformed her life. And, um, you know, I mean, she, even her kids, her daughters wouldn't let her watch their grandkids because of right. her, her lifestyle. Exactly. And, and, and now, I mean, and now anybody that knows Darlene, I mean, they know that she loves Jesus, and and I, and now she has a ministry, you know, right. with the drug drug addicted, and uh, oh my goodness, she is a powerful woman of God. I and, definitely uh, want to get her on the podcast because oh I my just think she is so amazing, and she you know, is. That's, you know, that's what you brought into my life, which has led to this podcast and everything else. And so I always am always just so thankful for your importance in my life. Oh, well, thank you, brother. I'm just a messenger boy. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, God gets all the glory. And, and, and like I said, anything that I've ever done or anything that I ever will do is by the, the glory and the grace of God, you know. And um, I always tell the story, if, if the Lord could speak through Balaam's jackass, he could always speak through me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and, and and you know, but but yet, 
my, I think my ministry has always been raising up sons and daughters, you know, right. like I said, because I've always wanted to make sure that, you know, that the people would, my kids, when I, I'm talking about my spiritual kids too, you know, would, would come and, 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 and go forward for my shoulders, not for, they have to do on, to, to do every, you know, where I started, but, but, right. but, but, but off of my shoulders, you know, yes. and, and because um, I want them to be able to excel and, and not have to, uh, you know, slay my giants, but to slay, you know, because they only have enough giants to slay themselves, <laughs> yes. you know. But, and, you know, but, it kind of seems like there's a whole tradition in State Park of just devoting yourself to God, you know. Honestly, that's the tradition that you guys have led, you know, be, being totally overtaken by God. Absolutely, you know, and, and that's, <laughs> absolutely, and, and like I said, we've got, gosh, in our congregation, man, we had drug dealers, we had prostitutes, we had, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you name it, and right. um, that's who they were, uh, and, you know, of course, and I think that's what makes the testimony the strongest, because, you know, too much is given, much is required, and, and those who, and, and the Bible says those who, um uh, are forgiven much, love much, you know. Right. And we know where we've been. We know that, you know, I know the doctor told me I'd never live to be 35 the way I was drinking and, and right. uh, doing the drugs and partying. And I, I know that uh, Darlene, you know, she should have been dead a hundred times. Right. And, you know, God had a call in her life. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 you know, so like I said, it's, it's um, but that just shows the redemption of God, the love of God that, you know, when Deb and I were, were dead in our sin, that we get a knock at the door when we're asking for how to find Christ. Yes. You know, how the Lord pulled Darlene out of that muck and mire. And James yeah. Nesbitt, you know, was called out of a, a, a Zodiac cup. You know, he tells <laughs> that story all the time. You know, and, and it's just the goodness of God, you know, because, um, and God's no respecter of persons. You know, he, he, you know he, whoever calls upon his name, you know, he will move heaven and earth. Sure. You know, and that's just the way he is. He, he just um, an awesome God. And, and, uh, and, brother, you've been a blessing to us, too. And, uh, and like I said, you know, well, see a man, uh, drive as far as you have to and come to church as much as you could and, and yeah. be a blessing to us. I mean, I, uh, even though there's distance, there's no distance in the spirit. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. You've been a blessing to us. You know, I you know, you visited me when I was in the hospital, and it's all appreciated, clearly. So anyway, I guess that I've been thinking a lot about Philippians, and maybe just talk a little bit and lead us out and give us your message. In closing? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In closing, you know, right now, uh, I'm just want, want to encourage people that, you know, especially with the coronavirus that's going on and our, our whole right. world needs to be shut down. And, and like I said, the biggest thing is um, it, it, it's, it's and, I, and we're doing everything we possibly can, cleaning our hands and trying to space people apart and, and right. you know, doing, trying to obey the laws of the land. We're not, not having church because of, of the, the, the virus, but to honor sure. with them. You know, and like I said, we want to be wise, you know. But right. I just want to uh, just say that God will meet us wherever we are, no matter what situation we're in, when the coronavirus, whatever it is, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And, right. and like I said, we can do all things Christ who gives us strength. So uh, I just want to encourage everybody uh, to read Psalm 91, you know, because it starts out right there that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we say unto the Lord, He is our refuge and our fortress, my God, and Him will we trust. And then it goes on to say, Surely He will deliver us from the fowler's there and the pestilence and the plagues. And, and you know, and, and so what it's saying there. If we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, um, the, the blood of Jesus is enough to protect us, to cleanse us, to keep us safe, and that we don't have to be afraid.
again, we use wisdom. We don't go do something stupid, you know. But yet we <laughs> use wisdom and all that. I mean, I don't go lick doorknobs, you know, things right. like that. You know, but on the other hand, uh, the Bible says that no plague will come nigh our dwelling if we dwell in this secret place. So uh, I'm just saying that if we stay plugged into Jesus and uh, that no matter what situation we have in life, just like what you went through with the strokes, Dale, uh, you know, your faith was in God and it really plunged you into a deeper walk with him. You know, you Romans 8, 28, Roman 8, 28 says all things. Even the bad things will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so God will turn these bad things in to, to a miracle. And that's what he's doing in your life. Um, and so that's what I want to encourage people, you know, just to keep their eyes on Jesus. And, and, and you know, I mean, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll be with us until the end of the age. Well, I just have enjoyed this so much. And, I just thank you for spending the time with me. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yes. <laughs> All my right. Pleasure. It was an honor, and thank you so much. I love you, my brother. Okay, I love you. Bye. Bless you. Bye now. Know that you are indeed as blessed as Pastor Ron, and I just love sending these messages to you on the Dale Wiley Show and also on 15-Minute Miracles. Keep listening.